Good morning, everyone. Um, slightly deep, husky voice. I think I could be on COVID. <sighs> COVID number four, but never mind. I'll, I'll live. I've lived through the last three. I can manage this one. Um, so this is a, a podcast. It's kind of a bit, it's kind of similar to one I did maybe about a year ago about people um, being active in narcissistic abuse awareness, narcissistic abuse recovery forums, Facebook groups, um, the sector, okay, and how to look for the red flags that these people are either narcissists, uh, disordered or toxic, or just mentally ill. They're just, they're, they're more dangerous than they are helpful. And because they're delusional, um, because of them not being well or being so filled with rage about what's happened to them, they can actually cause a lot of damage and they can give the wrong advice, the wrong information, they can mislead people. Um, and yes, there are narcissists that will be jumping about, as we say in Scotland, jumping about the narcissistic abuse sector who do it on purpose because they want to stalk their victim or victims or who do it for the grandiosity and the Machiavellian type lift that it gives them who do it because they want to learn about themselves and it's easier to pretend to be a victim to learn about narcissistic abuse than to actually be a narcissist um so there's you know but i think this podcast really needs to kind of focus on the people that are just not well okay now whether the narcissistic abuse has sent them into a psychotic episode or overall psychosis or some form of munchausen's or munchausen's by proxy or just good old-fashioned old-school delusions because um, uh, mental illness obviously has multiple facets i studied mental health and social care i know quite a lot about it i myself have had um quite serious mental health issues in the past i'm very lucky that apart from um sleep terrors and hallucinations and um auditory hallucinations at night during a sleep terror i've never actually had what could be even close to a psychotic or a schizophrenic episode um but um to sort of jump backwards a bit about must be about 15 years ago before i had around about the time i was pregnant with my little no it was either pregnant with the wee one or i'd had him it was sort of so we're talking about 12 13 years ago i attracted a man um with paranoid schizophrenia who had it's called Stephen Lyle. Um, he was convicted of stalking me, by the way, um, so I can talk about it. Um, who I felt sorry for. He claimed to be running a business, helping people get into work. And I'd worked in a, a project called Roots to Work, so I knew about the process to get people into work. And some of that was debt solutions and debt advice, and that was what I did. So uh, I was also very good at running engagement events and getting clients on board and getting supporters on board and getting uh, participants on board. So... When this guy approached me on LinkedIn, which I'm no longer on, because these people are everywhere, um, I was quite sort of open to the idea of working with somebody who'd admitted that he'd had mental health issues in the past, emphasis on past, um, but who wanted to now help a group of young people into work. He'd been given £30,000 by Glasgow Business Gateway, this is truth, because I checked, and the premise was that he was to hire an office and set up a sort of roots to work type project like I'd worked on. Um, and we were going to help with the sort of debt solutions, <coughs> money advice and do some money training and things with them. I say we, me, um, because my husband was doing financial, uh, regulated financial advice at the time. So that was the plan. Um, 
I was smart and sassy enough to not want to invest. He hinted about wanting investment. I said, no. I said, let's do a wee test. Let's run an engagement event. Let's get all your stakeholders. He claimed I had all these stakeholders. Let's get your funders in. We'll have an afternoon. We'll do some networking. We'll do some presentations about what you want to do with your organisation. We'll do a wee bit of presentation about what we do. See if anybody else wants to get involved. So basically just a kind of, you know, a schmoozing event around hopefully getting this project, you know, padded out and be a bit more successful. So that seemed easy for me. No money, just effort. Fine. Happy days. So we divvied up the jobs. I said, right, Stephen, you do this. I'll do this. By the way, I'd visited his offices. He had four members of staff. Some red flags because two members of staff seemed to be running completely separate companies. One was a radiator company. Another one seemed to be an accountant working from his offices, which was concerning. But I met his secretary, who I later became very close friends with, by the way. Um, And it seemed legit, but there was a couple of red flags. Again, I didn't invest anything in the company other than a bit of time and a bit of trust. So, you know, I I was able to ignore the red flags on a kind of risk assessment basis. Um, And, but it all seemed you know, 80, 85, 90% legit. It was worth the risk. And divvied up the jobs, and that's where it all fell apart. Because at this point, I'd given this person who claimed to be a successful entrepreneur, who claimed to be, you know, in and about the Glasgow business sector, know all these people, have all these ideas, have all these skills, have all these fingers in these pies, a few jobs just to set up an event with me, basically doing most of it. And he struggled from the get-go. He, he wasn't making the phone calls he was supposed to make. He wasn't sending the emails he was supposed to send. He wasn't organising little bits and bobs that were part of the event he was supposed to do. I ticked all my stuff off in the space of a couple of weeks because that's just the way I work. I work very fast, very quick, very efficient. Even though I had absolutely none of the contacts he claimed to have. <clears throat> Didn't have the business pre- premises I visited. So it started to look suspicious then. He was all talk and, tra- and no trousers. I was the trousers. <laughs> Um, put a bit of pressure on him around this time I started getting silent phone calls I actually just thought uh, well I didn't, I just wasn't interested I hadn't had a stalker at this point hadn't had any problems like that at this point I just was like, oh whatever, it's probably somebody at Glasgow City Council because when we ran our uh, debt solutions social enterprise Glasgow City Council saw us as a threat and they'd, they'd blah blah blah, long story but um, they now apparently run social enterprises doing debt solutions. So it's, you know, they basically just wanted us gone because we'd given them a good idea. Um, anyway, so I started getting funny phone calls, silent phone calls. Stephen and I had had a few meetings. Just nothing seemed to be progressing. And I did a Lucy and I got a bit antsy. I was due to go on honeymoon. That was it. I was due to go on honeymoon. So I just had the wee one. So it was 2011. Um, and I said, look, you've got to do these jobs before... I get back because the event is like 10 days after we, we we get back from honeymoon. I've done everything I need to do. You've had several months. Get the fuck on with it. Um, went on honeymoon, came back from honeymoon. And the morning we flew back, uh, we just got into bed, me and myself and my husband. I think it was five o'clock in the morning. Got a frantic phone call from Stephen, having a psychotic break. Stood on the end of a pier in Largs, wanting to kill himself. All my pressure, a.k.a. just asking him to do a few wee jobs, Mr. Bigwig, Mr. Big I Am, Mr. Business Entrepreneur of Glasgow, had sent him over the edge because he was a complete and utter Walter Mitty. This guy had had his 30 grand, this guy had hired a secretary, but everything else was smoke and mirrors. He'd spent the 30,000, he hadn't been paying rent on the lovely premises we'd visited, he'd fucked every single person over. 
I said, I don't want anything to do with you. You're going to go back and apologise to all of these people. There was uh, Sir Tom Hunter was involved. There was um, William Hawkey was involved. Uh, I said, you're going to go back to Business Gateway. You need to go back to all these people. Apologise. Explain what you've done. Explain what's gone wrong. Damage limitation. Reputational fucking repair here. I can't have anything to do with you anymore. Um, yada, yada. And from that point on, his stalking, which he had already been doing while we were actually friends and sort of business partners, ramped up. I was getting hundreds and hundreds of silent phone calls every day. I was getting bizarre um, Twitter abuse. Some of it was sexual. He would copy in Alex Salmond. He would copy in Nicola Sturgeon. Um, he just was horrendous calling me a fraud, calling me a con artist, but this is deflection and projection from somebody who's as mentally ill as Stephen Lyle is. Um, it all came out, he'd been sectioned several times, and his thing is very much, when he fucks up in a business, and I searched and he'd had about 20 businesses, most had gone insolvent, most had left debt, he'd not paid taxes, he was a major, serious con artist. Um, Business Gateway shut down because uh, shut me down because they knew they'd fucked up by giving him 30 grand and not checking on what he was doing with the money. They'd not been auditing him, so they completely blackballed me because they were embarrassed. They knew what they, the mistake they'd made. Um, so I, something happened yesterday that fled this for me because I spotted a very similar character. Anyway, Stephen, like I say, Stephen and I went to court, he got done for stalking me, got a two-year non-harassment order, continued to post disgusting things about me, lies about me, but the guy's ill. He's seriously, seriously ill. He's been in prison, I found out. Um, he, you know, he's just, he went on the run from the police. They managed to find him messaging me and trying to harass me, sat in his mum's spare room because of his IP address. The guy's a lunatic, um, but he's seriously, seriously mentally ill. Um, Anyway, he's now got involved with the indie uh, sort of network now and he sort of uh, he managed to get someone to help him buy a camper van called Yes 2 or something like that. So I dread to think about how that's all gone. Uh, it was chronic alcoholic, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, yesterday, just because I'm so alert to these people now, on Cora, um, a man, it just, you could, the pomposity, the grandiosity, the me, 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 I, 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 the unnecessary bragging straight away um i i my just another update on my patient and i just thought you just don't go on court even if you're not using defining characteristics and telling people's names or dates of birth you know or health insurance number it just isn't something you do on quarter you know in the narcissistic abuse sector say let's talk about my patient and as soon as i saw that this alleged patient was a 12 year old little girl red flags are waving um, so I looked into this guy a bit more deeply. He admits several months ago to using a fake name. Um, I looked at his bio. There's absolutely nothing there that would justify him being a paediatric psychiatrist. He claims that he's diagnosed this little girl. Like I say, I repeat, she's 12 years old, he says, with psychopathy slash narcissism. Now, both of those are different dark tetrad disorders. A psychologist, psychiatrist, or anybody, even me, and I'm not even in the, the medical sector, no, they're not the same disorder. You can have overlap, but not the same. Um, then ranting about his ex-girlfriend, the scumbag, scumbag, scumbag. And I'm thinking, if you're a doctor of psychiatry, who works with children, who's worked, who's been trained to that level, your language wouldn't be scumbag this and scumbag that about other people. You just wouldn't have that type of 
behaviour construct online um, to, to swing between scumbag this and then and my patient this and my patient that um, it's very rare I've never heard of, of it being appropriate that you, you diagnose anybody under adult age with either psychopathy or narcissistic personality disorder so I questioned him about that and he became immediately offensive started calling me a fraud before I even used that word against him there we go Stephen Lyle red flag um, so uh, then I looked further through his uh, he's now turned off comments because I've asked the awkward questions because unfortunately which is the point of this bloody podcast people don't ask the awkward questions if you see somebody right and I personally like I'm not a medical professional yet um, I have my mental health and social care foundation degree I'm just about to go into sociology criminology and uh, psychology certificate but I am never I don't think ever going to be a practicing practicing medical professional right so I'm never going to lie about it or pretend to be that I don't want to put myself in a position where I say I have patience or I'm I'm treating people in that sort of language um, he's left himself wide open so now because I've asked the awkward question which is nobody else was asking because people are not educated we don't and, and everyone's trusting and thinks everyone within these victim networks are all victims. They're not. This guy is a predator, a perpetrator. He is a dangerous man. He is delusional. My hope is that he is actually either the Jani or a patient on a psychiatric ward. He's having some sort of psychotic break because he only started mentioning this little girl and practicing in psychiatry at the beginning of August along with these rants about his ex-girlfriend, how he's diagnosed this little girl based on his ex-girlfriend's behaviour. I emphasise again, this little girl is 12. He has said she's not getting out anytime soon. Not how a psychiatrist would speak. Red flags, guys. Red flags. Red flags, okay? Um, just, oh, um, apparently, in three posts about this patient, is what he calls my patient, um, he says that she's been, he sexualizes her and says she has been um, offering sex to get to use people's other patients' mobile phones. Um, she's violent. Uh, just the language he uses about a prepubescent, a little girl, as a, allegedly a doctor, is beyond inappropriate and unprofessional. There are so many red flags here. This guy could work for EasyJet. And people are not noticing that they're not asking. I had another experience on TikTok last year. A young woman, woe is me, big long stories about being um, a sexual abuse and then rape victim. Her boyfriend had gone to jail. She'd had, she was pregnant, then suddenly she had a miscarriage when we all asked to see the scanned pictures. Again, lots of red flags. Um, and it all came out she was a fraud. Um, I spoke to her on the phone. The voice didn't match the appearance. And I would say the woman I spoke to on the phone was about 30 years older than the young girl that was on TikTok. You know, bomb, bomb, bomb. I ticked all the boxes, worked it all out and, and, and realised that she was a, a fraud. Um, I think she was sort of more to the Munchausen's kind of level of things. I think she was pretending to be a victim because she was lonely. I think she was pretending to be um, vulnerable because it got her attention on TikTok. It gave her, it meant that she had a network and friends and support. Um, but the red flags were there. So what I'm saying to you, right, and there's other, there's, like I say, there's a podcast on here about a woman that was on a, that is just a nutter on a Facebook group but from a, about a year and a half ago. She turned mental. Um, please, you know, and I don't mind people asking me the awkward questions. I'm not going to show you my certificates and things like that, but I will give you as much detail, because my last certificate was 2006. Um, 
I'll try and give you as much detail and information as I can. I mean, bearing in mind, I actually did post my CV on TikTok when I was questioned about my legitimacy, and TikTok said I'd breached my own data. Um, it was a breach of privacy, my own privacy, and, to, and I was banned from TikTok. So there's, 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 a, there's pressure for us. I mean, I'm an expert, I'm an author, I've got lived experience, and I've studied... Um, personality disorders, personality development within my mental health and um, family and social care qualifications. So I have a lot of relevant knowledge and experience um, that I'm happy to share. And if somebody is genuine, they will share that information to the best of their abilities without breaching data protection or sharing, you know, um, clients or customers or patients information they won't get nasty they won't get defensive they'll use their own picture like me i use my working name um there's absolutely no point in me using my real name because my real name isn't on my books and it isn't on my website and it isn't on all my socials um just please be mindful when someone is claiming to be high level expertise high high level not like me i'm low level high level psychiatrists okay therapists, counsellors, um, just look at the, the language they lose, look at the way they behave, look at the detail of information they share, look at their knowledge, you know, look at the look at how they describe people, speak about people, you know, are they getting things wrong all the time, are they a bit grandiose and exaggerating and, you know, and then look at the, their other content, you know, are they consistent? So listen mad rant but i get very badly triggered by people like this man that's i've reported him to cora and i'm really hoping that they remove him but my right now my prayers are that he's delusional and he's invented this little girl and she doesn't exist because if she exists and he's in her life well 